Well, good morning. Have a seat if you would. My name is Derek, one of the pastors here. Um, we are starting a new series today. Very exciting, 2020. Uh, I wanted to ask the question at first. Have you ever made somewhat of a halfway commitment? You know, a commitment, but you weren't totally sure about it. When I was in eighth grade, I had this girlfriend, but I wasn't so crazy about her. Um, and so it was one of those things, maybe you remember junior high, um, and we'd go walking down the hall, and I'd make sure to carry my books in that hand because she would want to hold it, and I didn't want her to. Uh, it's just one of those weird things, and eventually, like, you know, that was done. Uh, she was probably done because she realized I really wasn't all in on that. What if, we, uh, what if we entered a marriage with that kind of commitment? You know what I mean? That, you know, I'm going to marry you eh, for as long as I feel like it. You know, what if there were vows like that? You know, till, not till death do us part, but till fun do us part, or, you know, in, no, take out the sickness, just in health. How, you know, that wouldn't really work, right? Who would say yes to that person making that kind of commitment? In a similar way, a lot of times I think we as Christians, as Jesus followers, can kind of be more like me in eighth grade with our commitment to Jesus. You know, Jesus, I'll attend church some. I'll do religious things when it's convenient. Um, I'll give if I have some extra, things like that, rather than what is the call that Jesus has for us. When he, you know, he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A beautiful invite. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. But also, he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Jesus' call isn't one to just believe and get this ticket to get into heaven, and that's the end. Jesus said, follow me. That was his command. That was his invitation follow me. And the Bible is full of blessings as we follow. But a lot of us, a lot of believers, Christians, miss out on those blessings because they're kind of like, you know, junior high dating. Kind of, I'm not sure I'm all in. And so that's the word we're going to be using for this series is all in. Are we all in with Jesus? We have a, an above ground pool we set up in the summer, tons of fun. And on a hot day, my favorite thing is just to sit on a tube and float around. But when my kids get in, they want me to get all in. Uh, they, they want me to get in there. They want me to throw them. They want me to wrestle, whatever. All those fun things you do in a pool, I'd rather just stay on the tube, but they're dedicated to tipping me over to get all in. And so that's my commitment over the next five weeks. You're, if you're floating on the tube, I want to tip your tube over. I want you to realize God's call is to be all in, and this is what's best for you. So during this series, we're going to look at five things. All in is an acronym we use. Uh, you can see it. Back there, there's a kind of a cool poster, uh, but we're going to, A-L-L-I-N. A, the first one, and we're going to talk about this one today. A is, we are plan A. You know, plan A is that I share a better way and there is no plan B. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Uh, the first L, living and learning. We, we live out God's truth together. Or, I'm sorry, the second one is love God. Love God. Everything I do, I do for God. A-L. The second L, living and learning. It, or we, so we continue to learn God's truth, we learn it, and then we live it out together in the context of community. The I, invest. I invest my time, talents, and treasure into God's kingdom. And then the last one, N, not about me, which is you know, central to the life of a church and the life of a family, the life of a Christian. It's not about me, I fight for peace. And this is one of those, we talk a lot about that here at Common Ground. It's not about our opinions, we want to follow Jesus and we're committed to unity. So we're going to look at each of these over the next five weeks and try and give you handles. 
you know, maybe you, you think about spiritual maturity or, you know, or, or what it means to be a Jesus follower, and we can make the mistake in two ways. One, often to think maturity, spiritual maturity is knowledge. The other one is to think spiritual maturity is just acting right. So you can have people that have the, all this head knowledge about the Bible, about God, but they're really not living it. Or you have people that are just religious, you know, busy doing God's work, but without any real heart connection with God. It's just kind of a duty. Rather, a mature believer is one who's learning, continually learning about Jesus, and then doing what he says out of heartfelt obedience. And so I'm hoping that as you're here this morning, you have the desire to be all in with Jesus. And if that's your desire, keep coming because we're going to give you kind of some handles and a way to, to test, to look at how am I doing? Uh, how can I measure up? But today we're going to start with plan A. A, what's that A? Plan A is that I share a better way and there is no plan B. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians, so you can turn there. Grab your Bibles, grab your phone, whatever you want to use. But we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. What does this mean? Plan A is I share a better way and there is no plan B. The reason we start with this is, well, it makes a good acronym, A-L-L-I-N. But, but also, I think this is one of the areas where the Christian church in the United States is possibly the weakest. And where we as believers, and I would say myself as a believer, struggle the most. That we are plan A, realizing that God has a great plan to save people. And how they're going to hear about it is through you and me. You know, you rarely, I've heard the stories of, of other countries and places where somebody will hear about Jesus through a dream. You know, a Muslim man had this dream um, about Jesus appearing to him, and, and he looked out onto his street, and everything was dark, but there was a light on in one house down the street. True story. Next day, he goes down the street, knocks on the door, and it's a Christian missionary in that. So, so God uses different ways, but he always uses his people to share the message. I mean, look around, you know, at our society. Look at, common, or look at Carson City. We have roughly 95% in this area, roughly, unchurched. And look at the pain that people have. You know, look at the suffering around us. People are striving for things to fulfill them, as we often are, or maybe we used to, striving for these wrong things. Uh, Proverbs 14.12 says it this way. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way to death. There's a way that seems right to a man. Many people are, you know, they're striving after something and they think it's right, whether it's a false religion. Uh, we could really lump a lot of it into four categories, fame, fortune, power, and pleasure, right? We're seeking after those things. And so people are seeking after these things for, for fulfillment, but they're the wrong things. But the good news is God has a plan. So look at 2 Corinthians 5. Am I rubbing? Is that me? Hold on, let me fix that real quick. That's going to be frustrating. That's not me. That's not me. Okay. No worries. <laughs> 2 Corinthians, uh, we're going to start in chapter 5, verse 9, and we're going to get kind of a picture of our current situation uh, and God's plan for his people. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 9 and 10. Starts this way. So, whether we at home are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. So Paul had been talking about at home or away, meaning in this body. 
Uh, right now, we're in this body. We're here. Someday, we're going to go home. We're going to get a new body with Jesus in heaven. That's what we look forward to on a new heaven, a new earth, new kingdom. We're looking forward to that. And what he's saying is, until then, though, we're going to be about his business. Until then, we make it our aim to please him. That is our goal as Jesus followers, to please God. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So here's that, that situation is there's those of us who belong to Jesus, Jesus followers. Our goal is to please him. And in this context, we have an understanding of judgment. In the end, there is going to be judgment. Every single person will stand before Jesus and give an account for how they live their life. But there's two different judgments. There's the judgment for the believer, who we will go stand before God, and God there, Jesus as judge, will see us, and if we have placed our faith in him, he won't even see our sin. He's not going to bring up our sin. Judgment is overlooked because it was already dealt with, Jesus already dealt with that on the cross, but there is a judgment for the non-believer then, where a book will be opened, and their sins will be listed, and they will be judged for that. So in context of us wanting to please God, and understand that there's a judgment coming, we have something to do about it. And what's he say in verse 11, beginning of verse 11, he says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Look at the way he says that. We, knowing judgment is coming, knowing everybody's going to stand before the judge, we want to, because we love him and want to please him, we want to persuade others. Does that sound passive? Our, our, our desire at, from the heart and our goal is to persuade others that Jesus is the only way, because he is. You know, we're not trying to get people to, to join our church or to join our, our group or, or our movement. We're trying to get people to commit to Jesus because it's what's best for them. Uh, Christmas Eve, we shared the, the example that there's people in danger and they don't even know it. Um, and the picture that I gave was of sledding up on Spooner. And kind of the funny thing was the next day, my whole family went sledding up there. And it was exactly like I talked about, up there on Spooner, full of people, crazy. I didn't go, but Callie said it was just crazy. Um, and the kids were flying down, and our youngest, Elise, was going down, warning people, get out of the way, look at, you know. And there were quite a few collisions that day of people not really aware and had their back to the hill and just getting knocked out. They were in danger, and they didn't even know it. That's our situation in this world right now. Until Jesus comes again, those who die apart from Jesus go to eternal judgment. They go to judgment and have hell and eternity. And so our goal then is to, he says, persuade others. Now we're going to skip forward a little bit. Look at verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, or maybe your version says compels us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. This is the gospel. This is the good news. In light of the judgment that's coming, here's the good news. The love of Christ controls us. It goes back. Our desire, our deepest desire is to please God. We love him. He loves us. That's what compels us as believers. Because we concluded, here's the truth, Jesus has died for all. Jesus died to cover the sins of everyone. And those who place their faith in him... God views them, us, as dead, dead to our old self, meaning what he's saying is we are dead to the sin. The penalty for our sin is death, but because Jesus covered that with his death, he views us as 
dead to sin, meaning the judgment's satisfied. Our sins can be forgiven. And he died for all, verse 15, that those who live, that's us, who have placed our faith in him, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. This is that better way. In Proverbs, the writer said, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's the way of death. Here's the better way. Not just heaven, which we get. Not just eternity with God, which we get. But we live for him. Die to self, live for him. Paul talks about that elsewhere in Galatians. So then what does that look like? Look at verse 16. From now, now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So here's this picture. Jesus died for us. He views us as dead. We're now alive in him, living for him. And now, as new creations, it says in verse 17, we're, we're something different than we used to be. He changes us. And in verse 16, we see what? that we don't regard anyone else according to the flesh. What he means is we don't look at each other in human terms anymore. Human terms apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, I mean, look at the history of humanity. Look at our culture. We make a lot of judgments about each other, whether it's on race, on, on gender, on wealth. I mean, all these judgments. But here he says we regard people that worldly way no longer. This is your first note the all-in Jesus follower considers the heart and soul of a person first. So here's, here's kind of a first check for you. If you're all-in with Jesus, do you care about other people's eternal souls? You know, when I can just testify about my own life. When I'm walking well with Jesus, he changes my view. This isn't me, you know, working hard. He changes my view of people. Even in the grocery store, in a parking lot, driving behind people, driving too slow, whatever it is, when I'm walking well with Christ, I actually see that person as an eternal soul who has a judgment coming, and I care about them. Different. And that determines how you handle people, how you work with people. Even in line at the grocery store, you view the person in front of you as an eternal soul, you might treat them a little bit different. You might look for an opportunity to point them to Jesus Christ. Do we, do we see people as eternal souls? The new person who is new a new creation begins to love what God loves. You know, this is that new creation. When we are made new, we're saved, we're given God's spirit, and it doesn't make us perfect. But as we grow in him, we start to love what he loves. We start to want what he wants. And there's kind of another test. If you belong to Jesus, do you care about what he cares about? Specifically, do you love other people, those who don't know him yet? Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You see kind of two things that go hand in hand there. First is this reconciliation. What does reconciliation mean? The word reconciled, as used here in the Greek, means restored to favor by an exchange. That's what it means, reconciled. So again, that speaks to our situation as humans apart from God. We were created for a relationship with God. Sin separated us from God. So what did we need? We needed reconciliation. 
Have you had a broken relationship with somebody, a spouse, a sibling, a friend? What do you need? You need to reconcile. You know, you need to get together. I'm sorry. You're sorry. You know, let's get back on, the, on board together. That's us with God. Because of sin, and we've chosen to go away, that, that relationship was broken and it must be reconciled. But who does the reconciling? God does. You know, we initiated the problem by sin. He initiates the solution by reconciling us by his death on the cross. And so this word reconciled, it, it means brought back, bring back to the way it's supposed to be, a relationship with God starting now and forever. And so God does this reconciling, but look at verse 18 and the end of verse 19. 18, it says, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, and then the end, end of verse 19, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This means the message of what God has done of reconciling, we are how people will hear about it. You know, the benefits of reconciliation are amazing. You know, read all through Scripture the, the blessings of what it means to be with God and, and the gifts that He gives us. Um, you know, I think of my own life and trying to think of, of the benefits of knowing God, and I honestly can't even imagine not, you know, walking through this life not being with Jesus Christ. We, I've shared this situation. Some of you have probably heard this story. Some of you were there. Uh, but many years ago, we had a young man live down the street from us, and, and Callie and I got real close with him. Um, and he sometimes, you know, when he'd have trouble at home, he'd walk to our house barefoot, and um, we just built this relationship with him. And he knew the Lord, and he was growing in the Lord. He was 19. Uh, we had this sand rail dune buggy, super cool thing. Um, he borrowed it and fixed it up, and he made it run great, made it fast. And I remember the, this night he came over with one of his friends and just showed us all the things he did. You know, he's like, I fixed the lights, and, and he was super excited. He said, now, can I keep it for two more days? I said, sure. Next day, he went out in the desert in that, had a head-on collision, killed him instantly. I got the phone call from his sister saying, Dan is dead. So what do you mean, Dan is dead? He was at my house last night. No, he had a head-on collision. Uh, my dad is on the way out to the accident right now. So I hopped in my vehicle, driving out to the accident site. And there, you know, I'm pulling up, and I just see all the, the ambulance and all the sirens, all these things, and I see his dad walking up. And there, I mean, just it's all right there before us. And the pain, you know, the pain that's there and the responsibility you know, that I was tempted to feel that was mine. I gave him permission, you know, and I know he was going crazy on the wrong side of the road. Um, but at the same time that I was given peace, I had peace and, and, and even joy, which is ridiculous. That makes no sense. But as I walked up to meet with his dad and talk to his dad, I had an overwhelming sense of peace. And so did he. I mean, and as we talked, I mean, God was just there and he gave us something that we can't have apart from Jesus Christ. You know, and I just, that's just one benefit. That's just one. We, we know God is here. We know he's trustworthy. We know he has the power and the wisdom and the love to do what's right. Therefore, we can handle anything he sends our way. He says he promises to never leave us or forsake us. You know, part of the other benefits, as I started out at the beginning, you know, looking at the, our situation before we know God, you know, don't we just want to be accepted? I feel like in many ways uh, we're like junior hires. And if you're a junior hire, this means no offense. Uh, but junior hires are, in general, pretty insecure, right? Trying to figure out where they fit. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I know I did. I tried the skater thing. I, uh, you know, we just tried to, but where do I fit? And I think we also can ask that que question, where do I fit in this world? Is there a place for me? What's the purpose? What's the meaning? When we find Jesus, we find it. 
We find acceptance. We find who we are in him. But after I say that, I put this in your notes. Although the exchange life truly is better, the primary reason that we should turn to Jesus as Lord and go all in is because the gospel is true. You know, sin is attractive. And these benefits that I share, you may go, eh. But then we go back to the whole judgment piece. Judgment is coming. Eternity is real. And the gospel is true. Jesus truly is the only way to be saved. And in verse 18 and 19, it says, we are given this ministry of reconciliation. God's plan A is that I share a better way and there is no plan B. Do you hear that? You're the answer. People are hurting. You're the answer. Really, Jesus is the answer. I mean, in all, Jesus is the answer, but you're the one that gets to tell them about Jesus. Verse 20 says it another way. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Ambassadors. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody who represents uh, one country or government or kingdom to another one. You know, our, our ambassador uh, to Russia, he lives in Moscow. He or she, I'm not sure who it is right now, actually. Um, they live there representing the United States. They live in a foreign land represent, representing another, you know, not a, a king, but another sovereign nation. Well, here we are ambassadors of the king of the world the king of the universe. He created everything. We belong in his kingdom. We are in his kingdom, but now we are for a while foreigners on this earth. And he calls us ambassadors, meaning we are here representing him, sharing the good news. That's our primary mission as the church. That's our primary mission. We as Jesus followers are the primary method by which people hear the message of reconciliation to God through Jesus. And again, we have a temptation in the church. We have a couple. Either it's to look just like the rest of the world, and then we have nothing to offer. Or it's to hide in our Christian bubble. You know, we like to be together, and we should. We're like-minded. You know, we have the same desires. We have the same hopes. But yet, when we stay in this bubble with the world around us falling apart, I think God looks at that and says, that's not the plan. My plan is for you to make a difference in this world. Otherwise, I just bring you, you know, when we're saved, he'd rapture us. He'd take us to be with him. He leaves us here because he wants others to be saved. In verse 20, it says we're ambassadors, and we implore. Some of your translations may say we beg. Look at that. We beg you be reconciled. Does that sound passive? I, I mean, we live in a, a country right now where people, you know, they'll tell you it's, it's ignorant for you to believe what you believe. It's intolerant for you to say that somebody else's belief might be wrong. And so we want to hold it together. You know, we don't want to share it. But it says here, he be I beg you, I implore you. And before, you know, we are trying to convince you Jesus is the right way. If we are really all in for Jesus, we can't put this part aside. I know it feels good for us at times to go, I'm just, you know, my faith is my faith. I'm not going to share it. And our faith is very personal, but it's not private. And we cannot be faithful Jesus followers. We cannot be all in if this is not part of our heart and part of our life. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? Meaning, how will people hear the good news of Jesus if somebody doesn't tell them? The Great Commission. The end of Matthew. Jesus is some of his last words to his disciples. And a disciple is a Jesus follower. It says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And lo, I memorized it in King James, and lo, I will be with you always to the end of the age. His final words were, now you go make disciples. As I have been sent, I send you. I have interviewed church leaders who don't even know that passage, where I said, what is the Great Commission? And they go, I don't know. That's heartbreaking, and we, as church members, as people who belong to Jesus, we should know the Great Commission. Your most important role, other than knowing God and loving God, why you're still here is to help others know Him, regardless of what your profession is, regardless if you're in construction, if you're a nurse, if you're a teacher, whatever it is, we are still here so we can share Jesus with others. That's our primary mission that's why when we say all in, that's the first one, A, all in. Uh, now, we're going to be blessed because we're going to share a little story of somebody inviting. Uh, Paul is going to interview David to give us a little bit of a real-life example. All right. So David and Sonia, his wife, who will be here in the second service, but um, they are, have been a, a big part of our church for a while now, and uh, we want to hear a little bit about their story of how that came about and kind of some of the benefits of that from both sides. So first of all, David, how did you find out about Common Ground and kind of where were you at when uh, all that was taking place? So it was kind of turned out to be a kind of casual conversation. Your wife, Jennifer, um, came in to see me in the clinic that I work at, and she wasn't feeling good, kind of just a random thing. And I had asked her, you know, what, what moved you over here from Texas to Nevada? And she let me know, Common Grounds, we're starting a church. So it's kind of cool because we had been looking. We had been here about a year and a half. We, I grew up here, moved back to Texas, came back here, and um, just kind of we're looking. We were going kind of church shopping hopping, shopping, <laughs> just going from place to place. We never really felt peace, and we were at this one place for a particular amount of time, and when she had mentioned that you guys are starting a new church, it kind of intrigued me, so I thought, well, we'll go. About two months later, we decided, let's go check it out, and uh, so we came, and we, it, as soon as we walked in the doors, we felt peace. We felt this is home, and so it was just kind of through a casual conversation that we found this place. So um, over the course of that time, what have been some of the reinforcements that this is the right place for you? What has God done in you and in your family and those kind of things? So once we started kind of feeling the mission in the heart of this church, we knew that, um, you know, we had been at a church for about 12 years in Texas, and we kind of were just sitting back, and we never really felt where we f knew where we fit in. And so we were sitting on the bench for just a long time. And so coming here and seeing the heart for the community and the desire for 
us to be a part of what God's doing really spoke to me. I mean, I felt like, okay, this is cool because now I can actually step in. Still didn't know really what role until months later, but hopefully this is part of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, even as a church, we've been extremely blessed for David and Sonia answering that call to say yes to Jesus because during the nine months that we had our church in Minden, you were the primary worship leader down there with Callie. You guys kind of traded back and forth, and then we get you both in one day. That's pretty pretty amazing. But uh, so, uh, you know, without people saying yes to what God's called them to do, sometimes it holds back the church from being able to do what we feel like God's called us to do. And Sonia ran the uh, the connections team down there and, or, and organized the first impression stuff and, and did all of that scheduling. You guys led a class over the summer. Uh, restoring relationships. Uh, Hannah has shared what God's doing in her life as she's gone on mission trips. That's their daughter. Um, and so, and, and Eli did amazing things down there watching the kids. And so you, like the whole family was a big piece of that puzzle. And so as a church, when, when you, when people in the body say yes to what God's calling them to do, when, when you feel at home and you say, this is where God wants me to be planted, when you go all in, and answer that call, the body benefits, the church benefits. It's how it's supposed to work. We all have a place in the body. We all have a function, and no function is more important than another. And so there's days like today where I'm able to sit and, and drive the sound guy and the tech guys crazy with all kinds of questions that I don't usually get to ask because I'm on the stage. But I'm able to do things today and, and just sit and let God speak to me and, and just worship rather than leading because someone like David came and said yes. And so all in is not just about you. It's an important step for you, but it's about us. And it's about what God wants to do through us collectively when we lock arms together and we don't face inward, where we face outward to the community and we say, okay, God, how do you want to use us to reach them those that aren't here yet, those that haven't heard yet. And uh, so we hope you'll join us on that journey together, just like David and Sonia did. It's been a good ride. <laughs> and thanks for leading today. Yeah. And by the way, I, I moved here from Alabama, but I lived in Texas a long time. So, I, you know, I don't really feel like that. That's right. Yeah, as, as weird as that is. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both. Yeah. Well, I, the reason I like that story is it was just somebody going through life, Jennifer, uh, you know, going to the doctor and being faithful to an opportunity um, to invite somebody to come meet with Jesus. And it wasn't like they were uh, unsaved. You know, they knew the Lord, but yet God was leading them to take a, a deeper step to get involved. As David said, they were on the bench and now they've gotten off the bench and they've been blessed and we've been blessed. But that begins also with the initial invite to people who don't know Jesus yet to invite them into a relationship with you first. And then they point them to a relationship with God. So, you know, what's our next steps? I think number one, I would say, are you reconciled to God? You know, as Paul wrote, he said, I beg you be reconciled. Now, I beg you, if you are not reconciled with God, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He wants a relationship with you. Be reconciled. He asks nothing of you except for all of you. He doesn't ask you to do anything to earn salvation because Jesus did it on the cross, and now he invites you into that relationship. If you need to do that, as we start to sing again, uh, there's going to be people in the back available to pray with you. They'll have a big 
badge on that says, how can I pray with you? And they can help you say yes to Jesus. But then two, here's my second question. If you're wondering, okay, Derek, you said you're going to give us handles about what it means to be all in with Jesus. Here's kind of this first handle. Can you articulate the gospel? Are you able to share with somebody in two to three minutes just basically the good news? If not, then go back to our bookshelf. These are free. You know, and this isn't for you to take and just give to somebody. This is for you to take and read, and this will help you understand the gospel so you can share it. And there's really kind of four steps as it, as it goes through of uh, creation. You know, God made us for a relationship with him. The fall, what's the problem? Sin's the problem. The rescue, how did God solve the problem? Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. And then the restoration, the looking forward to Jesus is coming back. And the ultimate end of all this is perfect restoration, perfect reconciliation. So can you articulate the gospel? If not, grab one of these and read it every day until you can, until you can explain it to somebody. And then here's the second to do. The second application is, are you in relationships with those who don't know Jesus yet? Do you have real relationships? And I mean relationships without an agenda. You're not just friends so that you can convert them. You're friends with them because you love them. We need to be in relationships with those who don't know Jesus yet and then willing to speak, willing to share Jesus when the time arises. Again, how will they hear unless somebody speaks? You know, 2019 was our greatest year as a church so far. 23 baptisms. I mean, it's amazing what God is doing. What if in 2020, all of us were committed to sharing the gospel with even one person? And what if, so uh, last week our attendance was about 200. What if everybody shared the gospel and only one out of 10 said yes? You know, what's the math there? Well, that's 20 more baptisms. <laughs> 20 more. That could be awesome. So are we willing, are you willing to go all in with Jesus? Are you willing to say yes regardless what it costs. Let me pray. Father, uh, I thank you that you have given us clarity and scripture of, of our life in you. Um, I thank you that our life in you is based on what you did for us, Jesus, uh, that, that we don't have to now do these things to be right with you. We don't have to do these things uh, to gain your approval. You've already approved of us because of Jesus. And now because of love, you loved us, it says here, as Paul wrote, the love of Christ compels us. Because we love you, we are compelled to help others fall in love with you. Your love compels us. So I, I do pray that you would help us take the right steps, that we would say yes to you, that we would go all in with you, Jesus. We would take up our cross daily and follow you. And then I ask for relationships, please. Give us those people that need to know you. There are people out there who are needy and waiting and maybe you've already started to, to speak into their lives in different ways. And all that you're just waiting for or your plan is you're going to use one of us to share. And, and we may be just part of the process or we may get the blessing of being the last one in the process. And that person says yes to you. But I just ask that we would be faithful. Help us to understand the gospel, to be able to articulate the gospel, and then give us relationships to where we can share your good news. In Jesus' name, amen.